From Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a VinePair Podcast Next Round Conversation. We're bringing you these episodes in between our regular podcasts so we can explore a broader range of issues and stories in the drinks world. And today, I am thrilled to be speaking with Cassandra Felix, uh, Brand Director at Brandel Wines in Napa Valley. Cassandra, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Zach. How are you? I'm doing very well. Disclosure to the audience, uh, Cassandra and I were on uh, the Washington Wine Road Trip together in 2016, just when we met. So nice to reconnect. It's so great to reconnect. Thanks for getting in touch. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Yeah. So uh, when I met you, you were a wine director at a restaurant in uh, Florida, and now you're working for a winery in Napa Valley. So uh, take us through your wine journey and kind of how you got into wine and then maybe how you ended up at Brendel. Absolutely. It's been a really interesting and wild ride. I first got into wine at the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach, where I started off as a server and eventually moved my way up into managing the wine program at Flagler Steakhouse, um, which is one of our five-star, five-diamond restaurants um, at the property. It was really cool. I was able to take a 16-week wine course that the hotel offered for its employees. Um, and I took it multiple times because the first time I absolutely I sat for it, um, I actually wasn't old enough to drink yet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so I smelled wines for 16 weeks and took it the following uh, year so that I could taste through. Um, and then one summer, I asked if I could just help put bottles of wine away. Um, since it's typically a slower season for us in Palm Beach there. And I guess I did a good job because they offered me the opportunity to sit for the intro and then the certified uh, soon after. And then um, I became an assistant sommelier at HMF, then Flagler Steakhouse. With 2020 bringing a lot of change and unexpected twists and turns, uh, I took advantage of the restaurant shutting down uh, to fulfill a longtime dream of mine to work a harvest in Napa Valley. Um, and I haven't left. I, I was able to work harvest at a cool winery called Bukela in South Napa. And then I also worked at the tasting room at Robertson's Vineyards for a little while. Then eventually uh, was really fortunate to uh, be blessed with this opportunity to manage Brendel. So it's been quite the journey, and I'm really excited about the next chapter. Yeah. So I want to get into Brendel and kind of its whole, you know, the kind of the, the idea behind it and how you got connected. But first, just kind of more more generally, what what has it been like moving from the restaurant side to the, you know, the kind of winemaking production side? Because I know that you're not alone, um, certainly in just sort of in the last however many years, but but a lot of people, you know, a lot of our listeners who worked in restaurants have, you know, had had to because of the pandemic and maybe have decided to continue to kind of find other opportunities. So what's that been like for you? It's been really great. Honestly, it's been really illuminating and fascinating. I think as a sommelier, at times you can see the world of wine through one specific lens and through typically just studying out of a book and interacting with guests. And if you're fortunate, you get to travel to expand your knowledge. But actually working in production, it took a bit of the romance out of it, but in the best way possible. Um, I mean that in the best way possible, where you really see the progression and the hard work that goes into each and every bottle of wine. And um, it's not just necessarily the story about the brand, but the people behind the wine that really make it special. Um, and 
it's been so incredible to see, um, especially here in Napa, the diversity of wine styles that are able to be produced here. Um, in specific markets, when you think of Napa Valley, you are really thinking about Chardonnay and Cabernet. Um, and also in those in specific styles as being very ripe and lush or very heavy and oaked. Um, but being here specifically over the past few months has shown me that there's a lot of diversity in the plantings that are available here and definitely a lot more than what typically meets the eye um, in Napa. Well, so let's talk about that a little bit because my understanding is that's a big part of kind of the whole idea behind Brindell. So Maybe let's start with just kind of how it was, how the the, the winery or the brand was founded and, and kind of what the idea behind it is. Absolutely. So when the Lawrence family purchased Heights Cellars in 2018, along with Carlton McQuay, who is our managing partner, they did a lot of history or research into the history behind the estate. Um, and they came across a gentleman named Leon Brendel, who is the namesake of the brand. Uh, very little is known about Leon Brendel, except for that he was born in Alsace, France, and he studied distillation and enology in Switzerland. He soon became a winemaker at Casa Madero in Mexico, and then eventually in the late 1940s found his way to Napa and planted a small vineyard to Grignolino, and he named it the only one vineyard. In 1961, he sold that vineyard to Joe Heights with the caveat that a portion must also always uh, be planted to Grignolino. And up until the creation of Brendel in 2019, uh, the Heights family was very uh, consistent with that and kept their promise. And here with Brendel, we're, we're able to maintain and, and pre uh, preserve history, uh, but in a really fresh and exciting way. Um, we are definitely making the wines in the post-prohibition style of uh, similar to the era of Joe Heights and Leon Brendel. So very approachable. Uh, we definitely keep them on the fresh and lighter bodied style and never use any new oak. Okay. And we really want this wine to be able to attract or at least showcase the diversity of the wine styles that can be produced here in Napa Valley. Uh, we're, we're calling the brand the new Napa, but honestly, we're just bringing the past into the present. Um, and because we're, we're able to control everything that goes into the bottle from owning our own vineyards, owning our production facilities, um, we're able to offer organic and biodynamically farmed wines at a really incredible price point. Yeah. Well, you gave me a lot of things in there that I want to get into more detail in, but let's start with this. So the, the Heights Grignolino that you mentioned was, was one of the wines that when I first tried it was kind of that, Oh, like, you know, a little bit of an aha moment at, that you described with, you know, kind of being a little contrary to people's typical perceptions of Napa Valley. And I know that there were people who were a little bit unsure when, you know, when the Lawrence family bought Heights, whether or not that kind of wine, that style of wine would stick around. So it seems like it very much is and is very much kind of central to the whole concept. But can you maybe, for those people who aren't all that familiar with it, can you kind of describe the Grignolino and kind of what it's like and, and why maybe it's so different from what people's perception of Napa is? Yeah, of course. So Grignolino is indigenous to Piedmont. Uh, so it's very similar to grape varietals that might be more familiar from that region. So Dolcetto or Barbera, except that it's slightly less tannic. Um, it definitely leans more on the vibrant tart red fruit side of the spectrum. And 
As a rosé, it's extremely aromatic. Um, it can be very bone dry, but pretty elegant. And with the frizzante style that we're producing it in and with Brendel, it really preserves that freshness and vibrancy. It's absolutely crushable, very drinkable <laughs> and enjoyable. Very cool. And, and you know, kind of in that vein, what are some of the other either uh, wines or varieties that, that are available currently kind of under the Brendel label? Cool. So as I mentioned, all of our wines are fashioned after the post-prohibition style of winemaking. And back in those days, it was pretty rare to encounter a mono-varietal wine. Typically, wines were heritage fuel blends uh, with made from cuttings brought back from settlers' homelands. So uh, we are able to preserve those non-traditional varietals such as Truriga Nacional, Tinta Madeira, Tinta Cow. Uh, we also have a unique white blend uh, called the Chorus Cuvée Blanc that showcases um, Malvasia Bianca and Fernal Perez. And um, it's pretty incredible, the freshness and vibrancy and elegance that, showca- uh, that can be presented in these wines. Um, and yeah, even though those grape varietals don't typically seem to have a place in the general landscape of Napa Valley, with Brendel, we're able to preserve that. And so these are vineyards that have, like, like are these older vine vineyards or are these sort of newer plantings or, or how does that kind of check, how does that figure in? Yes, yeah, so they've been planted or they were originally planted in 1961 with uh, okay. Joe Heights. However, they've been replanted, uh, I believe in the late or early 2000s. Okay. And and so I guess let's let's start here maybe with this too. So you, you mentioned that um, that the wines are you know not monovarietal that they're, they're these blends and in particular they're they're field blends. Now some of our listeners are going to be familiar with what that concept means, but can you kind of explain why what what makes a field blend different than say um, the blend that someone might be familiar with that's that's kind of all done in the winery? Typically, a field blend would mean that. Uh, different varietals are planted side by side and harvested and fermented together. Um, this can contribute a bit less um, control and a bit more complexity and creativity in the final product. Uh, we still do uh, harvest and ferment each of the non-traditional varietals in our blends separately. Okay. Um, however, historically speaking, that's what a heritage field blend would be. Okay. Okay. So, um, and then, and then kind of in in line with that, you mentioned also um, a minute ago that one of the other things that you're able to do um, because maybe of the um, established nature of these vineyards and such is to offer these wines at a price point that might not be in Napa, which obviously is America's most premium wine region, doesn't necessarily uh, break the bank. So like, like, what are we talking about for the wines and kind of like, how do you see these fitting into people's, whether they're, um, whether it's on a at a restaurant or or just for home consumption, like how do these fit into people's sort of drinking habits? So we really want Brendel to be a gateway to the Napa Valley for a new wine drinker, but also um, beef up the cellar of a consistent Napa Valley wine drinker. We believe that wine should be accessible to everyone, and not only just any wine, but great wine that's farmed organically and biodynamically and made by incredible winemakers. Uh, Brendel is the perfect wine for a weeknight or it's still special and handcrafted and well-made enough to be a gift. And a lot of times wine can be extremely uh, daunting or unapproachable for a newer consumer. And everything about Brendel is is about approachability and, and for it to be enjoyed and shared. 
Very cool. And I know that you guys are in the process of opening, um, I guess, a, like a, a wine bar, a tasting bar in, in downtown Napa. Can you tell me a little about that? Yes, we're so excited to be opening our tasting room in downtown Napa this summer. Uh, downtown is so electric and it's emerging from the shutdown with new energy and enthusiasm as people are starting to return to the valley. And the location is fantastic. It's centered around the downtown district, surrounded by shops and other wine bars, tasting rooms, and restaurants. Um, our tasting room will fall in line with the philosophy of the brand and make wine approachable and fun. We, re- we really want it to be a place where people can come to learn, but also kick back and relax with some great wine in their glass. Um, education was a great cornerstone um, in my wine journey. And it's become a passion, obviously, I'm currently studying for the MS and getting to share wine with a larger, larger audience and pay it forward is really a cool opportunity that we'll be able to fulfill with our tasting room too. Very cool. And and when is that set to open? You said this summer, right? Right. Yes. At the okay. uh, end of the summer. Okay. Very cool. And as far as, I mean, I know this is maybe, well, maybe something you can talk about, maybe not, but like, um, with with what's currently available um, from Brendel, are there plans to add additional wines, or does this seem like for the time being it's going to be kind of the the lineup? So we are actually allowing Brendel to be a creative outlet for all of the winemakers of our states. Okay. So we have so much freedom to continue to grow and evolve with the brand. The Grignolino will always be a staple in the brand because it's so tied to the history and the, uh, the cornerstone of the brand. However, uh, we will continue to work with possibly bottling single varietals of the non-traditional men- ones that I had mentioned. Okay. Um, we will always uh, use organic and biodynamically farmed grapes. It's also a huge a tenant of the brand, but um, this can become a, re- a, a real playground for all of the amazing winemakers that we have um, in our portfolio. Very cool. Okay. I want to ask a, a, some questions for people because I, I know um, you're relatively uh, new to Napa, but I'm just curious because um, this has been something that we've heard from a lot of listeners. Like, what is what it, what is it like in Napa right now? I mean, are people returning to to visit? Obviously, you know, we're now at this period where uh, you know a lot of people are vaccinated, more are, are getting that way, and things are reopening. Like, I know you don't have a previous year of experience to compare to, you know, in terms of working there, but just like, what is the what is the vibe like in Napa right now? Yes, I think, as I mentioned, like, people are really, really ready to um, come out on the opposite side of this pandemic. I think there has been a very strong uh, effort to roll out the vaccine here. And we are really starting to see, especially in the downtown area where our tasting room is going to be located, um, I can start, I definitely have noticed that people are really starting to return to the Valley with a lot of excitement. Very cool. And like, have you gotten a chance to kind of do some some visiting of other wineries and, and getting to explore other things? I mean, obviously you're you're not the <laughs> you're busy, and as you mentioned, you're studying for <laughs> the MS exam. But you know, I would imagine that part of the one of the benefits of living in Napa is getting to you know visit other wineries. Yeah, so I've I recently got to visit my Acamas, which was amazing. Um, outside of that, I haven't done too much, but again, I did come to Napa very, like right in the middle of the pandemic too, sure. was working harvest and have definitely stayed busy since then. I am excited to continue to venture out and explore. Um, there is such a 
a vibrant spirit here. Um, it's really hard to explain, but although there's uh, Napa's world renowned as a fantastic wine growing region, uh, it's a land full of farmers and real people that are eager to connect and tell the story of this phenomenal place. And it's a really great community to be a, be a part of. Excellent. And, and I, mean, I imagine that you find, or, and will find it if you haven't already, like a lot of, of resources to help you in your own personal sort of journey towards trying to become a master sommelier. Have you been able to connect with, with some of the, you know, I don't know whether it's the, um, you know, other people who are aspirants in that regard, or just people who are, um, who maybe are already masters or, or where, where does that kind of, what is a community like there? Yes. So um, I was really fortunate to have incredible mentors uh, back at the breakers with Virginia Philip and Juan Gomez. And they've definitely ingrained that spirit of paying it forward. Um, that's also something that I, I neglected to mention about the brand. We will be utilizing Brendel as an opportunity to partner with the Roots Fund Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization committed to elevating people of color in the wine industry. I'm um, okay. really excited about doing that. As far as connecting with other sommeliers here, um, Eric Elliott, who is the estate director of Heights Cellars, also sitting for his MS, which he'll be sitting in July. And then George Lobjanitsa is the estate director for Burgess Cellars, who is also sitting for his MS and is sitting in July. So they've been really consistent with their studying, whereas I, you know, kind of got distracted from moving across the country, but they've definitely been encouraging and great sports as far as um, keeping me on my toes with my studying as well. And I'm expanding my reach as far as um, reaching out to other sommeliers and join, looking to join a tasting group here soon. Very cool. And before we wrap things up, Cassandra, is there anything else about Brendel that you feel like we didn't get to or that you want to make sure that people are aware of? Yes, um, I think we covered most of it, but I just want to encourage everyone to, you know, check out our website and join our mailing list. Um, also follow us on social media at Brendel Wines. We are really excited about this brand. I'm so thrilled to be able to work for such an incredible project and um, showcase the incredible things that are happening here in the Valley. I'm really thrilled to imagine what can come next for this brand and it would be great to have everybody a part of it so please just check us out on our website excellent and i'll we'll include that information in the show notes well cassandra really great uh, hearing from you i'm very excited to see your own personal journey and also of course you know what's going on with brendel so thank you so much for sharing with us thank you so much zach it was a pleasure Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.